Good morning, 1548 Heights, members and guests online and in person. Grace and peace to you in abundance. Welcome to 1548 Heights. Our mission is to be a transforming church, changing lives for God and for good in the world as God transforms us into the image of Jesus. And it's great to be a part of that mission. Well, most people have mentioned the heat today, so I'll do my part. It is so hot outside today that Stephen and, thank you, Caroline, how hot is it? Stephen and Jennifer Kirk drove their car. They normally walk. I don't know how far, but they drove their car. You know, they've just been driven to the edge by the heat. But more importantly, Michelle Wersema lives 50 yards from the church building. Michelle. Did you walk or drive today? She walked, yes! So she will not be deterred or cowed by the apocalyptic, <laughs> scorching cauldron that is Houston. <laughs> well, friends, today is a one-off message, you know, not part of a series or anything, but it's something I have been intrigued by and wanted to bring to you, and I want to set the table uh, first, for a second, we're going to talk about prayer. And let me just remind us, there are many types of prayer. There's prayers of confession, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of adulation, uh, and there's prayers of petition, asking, supplication, if you will. And I just make that point because we're going to talk about prayers of supplication today, asking God for what we want. But let's remember that that's not the only kind of praying we ought to do. So I read an article by a man named Greg Moore, who writes for DesiringGod.org, in which he talks about C.S. Lewis's uh, lecture, How Am I to Pray This Very Night? And I came across this article because our dear sister in Christ, Lena Corinth, sent it to me. Lena's a voracious reader, She's, she has a very hungry faith, and she is always just seeking to grow spiritually, and she sends me a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. <laughs> she must think I like to read or something. But at any rate, uh, if this message is helpful to you today, let us praise God together. And if it is not helpful to you then let us blame Lena together, okay? So let me say first that prayer is a mystery. Prayer involves mystery. We cannot turn it into a formula. We cannot think that we are in control and we have it all figured out. For instance, Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 8, uh, do not pray like the Gentiles do. They heap up meaningless phrases and long words uh, thinking that that will make them heard. But your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then in this way. Well, and then he gives us the Lord's Prayer. But if God knows what we need before we ask, then why ask? Okay, why ask? That's part of the mystery of prayer. And even though we're told God knows what we need before we ask, we are repeatedly encouraged and admonished and exhorted in the New Testament, by Jesus and the, the apostles, pray, pray, 
pray, ask, ask, ask. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Just devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. And Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but by but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Ask, ask. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so I want you to know I reject the theory by some that since God already knows what we need before we ask, we really only pray and ask for what it does to us. Okay? That's sort of how you w wiggle out of this tension. But I believe uh, that something happens when we pray. It's, just not, it's not just what happens in our own hearts and, and ourselves. That something happens and that is part of the mystery that God hears and that God res responds. So as Moore tells us, Lewis's dilemma was the t two seemingly mutually exclusive types of petitionary prayer we read about in the Gospels. And in the epistles, what he calls prayer type A or prayer type B. And so let's read Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11, and we'll unpack this together. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you, who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Thanks be to God for his word and for his living word, Jesus Christ. So let's start unpacking this. The two kinds of petitionary prayers that Lewis wonders, are these mutually exclusive? They, they seem to be in tension with one another. The first I would call the prayer of deference. The prayer of deference. And you have an outline in your bulletin if you find that helpful to follow along and, and fill in the blanks. Deference is respectful submission. The prayer of of deference. Jesus models this for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Lord, uh, let this cup of suffering pass from me, <clears throat> yet not my will, thy will be done. There's his request, let this cup of suffering pass from me, but the deference is, not my will, thy will be done. Jesus teaches this to us in the Lord's Prayer when he says, uh, Pray this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so we could call this thy will be done prayers. Prayers of deference where we ask, but we make sure that we, we, we understand that God may have a different will than ours. Now, I sympathize with this kind of prayer. I tend to gravitate to this kind of prayer, very humble and respectful and submissive, which is kind of my personality with the Lord. <laughs> you all laughing. <laughs> Not with you all, with the Lord. <laughs> uh, but listen, even in Matthew 7, which we just read, Jesus says, which one of you, if your child asks for bread, will give him a stone? 
He doesn't say, well, get, you'll, you'll get bread. He just says, you won't get a stone. Even Jesus there it sort of implies that you won't necessarily get what you want, but you won't get a bad thing when you ask God. God loves you. He's going to give you a good thing, okay? And so these prayers of deference, thy will be done, are pretty obvious. The second kind of petitionary prayer is the, the prayer of boldness. The prayer of boldness. Now, this is also a frequent teaching of Jesus and of the epistles. Let's read what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 21 when he and the disciples are walking past a fig tree, which we've read that he has cursed because it isn't doing its job and bearing figs. And the disciples exclaim at that, wow, look at that. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only will you do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done. Whatever you ask for in prayer with faith, you will receive. And so the prayer of boldness, we can call this ask for whatever you wish prayers. Ask for whatever you want prayers because this is what Jesus says in that instance. In fact, in John 15, 7, Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, certainly, these kinds of prayers taught by Jesus and, and in the epistles have led to some exaggerations at the least and abuses at the most. You know, the prosperity kind of gospel teachings, uh, name it and claim it. Ask for it in faith, and you will receive it. That's a guarantee, and if you don't receive it, you don't have enough faith. Ask for with more faith. Uh, but you notice some of these prayers even have a little bit of a hedge. For instance, in John 15, verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. You catch that little hedge? If you abide in me. If you abide in me. Many would point that out. Well, hold on. This isn't like a green light to just uh, ask for whatever you want. Look at 1 John 5, verse 14 through 15 with me. And this is the boldness that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we, if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask... We know that we have obtained the requests made of him. This is like, if you've asked it and you know he's heard it, you can know that you will have what you've asked for. But go back one slide, David. Look at that, that if we ask anything according to his will. Well, what are the risks of praying virtually only one way? Either prayers of deference leaning heavily into thy will be done, not mine, or prayers of boldness, uh, whatever you wish for, uh, I will give you, and counting on that. Well, the risk of praying too timidly or with too much deference is praying without faithful expectancy. Praying without faithful expectancy. There is, this is part of the mystery of prayer. That when we pray with a kind of faithful expectancy, Lord, I know you are good. I know you, you, you want to bless me. And I know what I'm asking for 
is, uh, is, is righteous and desirable, and I have this faithful expectant, expectancy that you are going to respond uh, and answer what I've asked for. Um, and so praying only prayers of deference can be a way of hiding and hedging our faith. One writer compares it to meeting Jesus on the water with a life jacket, you know. <laughs> uh, and then look at what James says in his epistle. Man, James is, James is intense. Read this with me. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. But ask in faith, never doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And so James is saying there, basically, pray with great faithful expectancy and trust and confidence and conviction in what you're praying for. And this, believe it or not, has some... uh, currency to it in Mark chapter 6 verse 5 through 6 we're told and I've checked this many times Mark's the only gospel that puts it in these words that Jesus in a certain town was not able to do deeds of power because of their lack of faith they really didn't bring any faithful expectancy to the table And this is part of the mystery of prayer and of the whole faith dynamic. In Luke 18, Jesus even says, Luke uh, Luke tees up this parable. He says, says, Jesus taught this so that they would pray always and never lose heart. And Jesus says there was a widow who was demanding justice. She she had been uh, treated unjustly and she was demanding justice from the judge. And she was pounding on his door and the judge wasn't answering. But she pounded so long that the judge finally threw up his arms and said, Look, look, I'm going to give you justice, not because I, you know, I care about you, but you're so darn persistent. And, and there is something about that faithful expectancy and persistence that is part of the mystery of hair, prayer. Now, Let me speak a very intentional word. There are many who have dashed hopes. And they cannot pray prayers of boldness. Because they have been so crushed or disappointed in not receiving the answer they wanted. C.S. Lewis says, every war, every famine or plague, almost every deathbed is the monument to a petition that was not granted. Thirty years ago when I was in seminary, we were up in Princeton, New Jersey. We had a a friend, a, a couple in our Bible study group, and they had experienced every parent's nightmare. Uh, in the middle of the night, their only son at the time, their only child... One and a half years old had just stopped breathing. And they'd rushed into the hospital. And uh, kept vigil, praying. Everybody, friends, family, praying, praying, praying. And the child never recovered consciousness. And my friend, in a later sermon about this, said he noticed on the medical chart does not respond to deep pain. 
And so they had to, you know, make the decision to disconnect the life-saving equipment. Can you imagine if someone had said to them, well, you obviously didn't pray with enough faith. You obviously didn't have the faith expectancy that would have moved God to save your child. That would be not only cruel, that would be blasphemous. And so prayer is a mystery, and somehow faithful expectancy is part of that mystery. It brings something to the table, but let us not ever use it as a, a way of condemning anyone. You know, we know the term PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. I, I think many Christians have post-traumatic prayer disorder. They have, they have been let down to pray with all their heart for something and not receive it. But the risk of praying too timidly is praying without faithful expectancy. The risk of praying too assertively is praying without faithful humility. Praying without faithful humility, treating God as a sort of divine Santa Claus. God, here's what I want. You've told me that if I pray for it, you will give it to me. Here's what I want. You know, it's like the kid on Santa's lap in the mall. You know, how many of your kids have ever said, Santa, I'd like this and this and this and this and this, uh, but only if you think it's good. I mean, no, you know, they don't do it. And for many Christians, prayer is petition only. Really, the only kind of prayer these Christians do is to ask God for something. And that's why prayer is much more than petition and somehow that grounds our petition. I remember as a young Christian, my senior year in college, recently baptized, you know, I was planning out my life with great confidence and, and submitting it to God for God's check mark because obviously I knew it was best for me. And I came across this scripture in James 4, 13 through 15. And man, it, 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 it got my attention. James says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we shall go to such and such a city and stay there a year and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not even know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, one ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall do this or that. So by now you can see that prayer of deference and prayers of boldness are not either or. They are both and. Each has a place. Each by itself is somehow denuded of the power it is meant to have. And so what is the biggest risk about petitionary prayer? Not asking. Not asking. Over and over we're told, just ask, ask, ask God for what you want. Sometimes you have to be willing not to get it, but ask, ask, ask. Philippians 4, verse 6, make your requests known to God. Jesus in Matthew 7, ask, seek, knock. Something happens when we pray and ask, both humbly and boldly. I'm not giving you a prescription. I told you prayer is a mystery and, you know, there's no formulas. But how I navigate this tension is I set a foundation of deference. Lord, I surrender myself to you. I accept all 
I receive all. Um, this, everything is according to your will. You have wisdom and love which I know not of. Now, here's what I'm asking for. And I unleashed the hounds. I mean, I ask boldly. I ask boldly. And the Lord knows that I'm not treating God as Santa Claus. Because it's always in the foundation of your will be done. And you've asked me and invited me to pray boldly. One of my models is Genesis 32 where Jacob is wrestling with what we take to be an angel through the night. I'm going to preach on this soon, coming up, I think. And the angel says, in essence, hey, it's almost daylight. It's time we wrap this up. <laughs> That's a paraphrase. And J Jacob says, I will not go unless you bless me. Wow. I will not go until you bless me. Read with me what the great church reformer Martin Luther said about the amen, which, by the way, means in the Hebrew original, I believe, or let it be so. Mark this, that you must always speak the amen firmly. Never get, doubt that God in his mercy will surely hear you and say yes to your prayers. Never think that you are kneeling or standing alone. Rather, think that the whole of Christendom all devout Christians are standing there beside you, and you are standing among them in a common united petition which God cannot disdain. Do not leave your prayer without having said or thought very well. God has heard my prayer, this I know, as a certainty and a truth. That is what amen means. I imagine standing before God... And if we've spent our life in prayers of deference, or rather prayers of boldness, God's saying, you know, in love, boy, you are a needy little thing. I heard a lot of what you want, you know. You, I could have enlarged you more. I could have grown you more if you, if you approached me a little, with a little more variety, but then again, if we have prayed mostly prayers of deference, we stand before God, I can see God saying, you know, I wanted you to ask. I wanted you to ask. You can't understand why it's necessary, even though I know what you need. I wanted you to ask because I had some things for you. I had some opportunities for you. I read recently that you know, Christians in the 21st century, in America particularly, I, you know, I read a lot about post-Christian America. That's not the stuff Lena sends, by the way. And it says, most Christians ask too little and they expect too little. And I remember thinking, that's kind of like the chicken and the egg. Do we ask too little because we expect too little? Or do we expect too little because we ask too little? And I think God's invitation to us is ask a lot and expect a lot. And yes, you, you will be disappointed at times. You may even be crushed at times. But I'm telling you, I'm a good, 
God. And I want to bless you, and I want to guide you, and I want to give you good gifts. So ask a lot and expect a lot. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to say amen to this prayer in the way that Martin Luther said we ought to say amen. Let's pray. Father, we trust that you are a good God, and we acknowledge that your wisdom and your love for us is unfathomable in its degree, and we submit ourselves to you as much as we can and in all things. And, Lord, we want to ask boldly for the good things that you want to give us, for the good things we need, for the good things we want to happen that we believe will make the world and our lives and others better off. And so help us never be discouraged from asking, Lord, and asking boldly. And the people said, Amen.